So my topic assigned to me was lordship, <laughs> and I'm happy because I love that topic. So um, yeah, thank you, Justin. Good. Um, starting off, I've got too many things up here, right, to, to, um, to, have, to have in my hands. But anyway, starting off, I just want to ask a question. Who do we follow? Okay, who do you follow? And I think the word follow has taken on a new meaning in recent times because you have people who follow one another on Facebook. You have people who follow people on Instagram. You follow certain podcasts, you follow certain worship groups. You know, we follow all kinds of people and things that 10 years ago, we didn't have a clue. We had no idea about. So anyway, okay, help me, Justin. There we go. Okay, good. So, am I going the wrong way? There we go. Okay, so I just want to um, introduce us to a couple um, couple people that we may follow. Okay, I read about Rachel and June. They're a cross-cultural couple. They live in Japan, and they will tell you about all things Japanese. Okay, and they have a video of Rachel in Fox Village that had over six million views. How's that for influence, right? Okay, or, uh-oh, I just, I just did the wrong one. <laughs> okay. Or you may follow Holda Katan. Okay, she's a beauty blogger from Iraq, 24.3 million followers. Okay, how many people is that? Can you even start to... Try to imagine what that looks like. Okay. Tim Keller or John Piper, popular speakers, podcasts. Are you going to help me? Okay. Aha. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Popular podcasters. And, um, you know, we, we might listen to them. Some people listen to podcasts rather than go to church. And that's how they follow. And my personal favorite in our family, Tuna. It's the Instagram Chawini with 1.9 million followers. So that's Tuna anyway, who has, I get updates on Tuna due to my kids following Tuna, right? So what does it mean to follow someone? What does that look like? When we follow Jesus... If any of you want to be my disciples, take up your cross and follow me. There's a lot of influencers in the world. That's what they do. They export influence. Okay? Who is influencing us? Now, there's a lot of influences that we have in our lives, but... If we want to be influenced by Jesus, what does that look like? What does it look like if we take up our cross and follow Jesus? Okay, to follow, to accept as a guide or a leader. To accept as a guide or a leader. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. 
okay, that he's the one who is our guide and is our leader. I need my eyes. If you look at what does it mean to follow Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus, I think we have to look at how did Jesus live his life. Jesus lived his life in connection with the Father all the time. He was about his father's business. When he was really young, in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, okay, they're, um, they're missing Jesus, right? Mary and um, Joseph are leaving Bethlehem, and they're missing Jesus. Is it Bethlehem? Where are they leaving? Anyway, and they're missing Jesus, and they said, how is it that you had to look for me? Didn't you know that it's necessary? Okay, this is in the Amplified. As a duty for me to be in my father's house and occupied with my father's business. Didn't you know that? Like, why would you look for me somewhere else? Didn't you understand that that's what I had to do? So even at a very young age, Jesus had a sense of connection with the father. If you think about the Trinity, we were just talking about the Trinity this week. Um, but if you think about the Trinity, the close relationship that Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit had at all times, like what kind of break in relationship would that have been for Jesus to take on the form of a man and come to earth? And that strong desire that Jesus had to be with his Father, to be back in the presence of his Father all the time, if you had anything that would mark Jesus' life, it was that strong desire, I believe, to be in the presence of his Father and to do the will of his Father. Okay, in Mark 1, I'm going to be skipping around a little bit, so you have to put up with me. But in Mark 1, verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. And in Luke 5, 16, it says he would often slip into the wilderness to pray. And that was his connection. That was Jesus' connection with life, would be to slip away and to pray. Sometimes you see in the, in the word where the disciples were looking for him, and they found him alone and in prayer. So that, that's Jesus' style of life. That's his rhythm. That's his regular rhythm of life. So we want to follow Jesus. We want to step into the same kind of rhythm that Jesus was in. Okay? John 5.30, it says, I do nothing of my own will. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. And if we think of that in light of our own lives, what does that look like? That I carry out the will of him who sent me. Not my own will, but the will of the Father. Like, is what I'm doing today the will of the Father? Yes, no, maybe, I don't know. It may be. I think it is. I mean, I love Jesus. So is it his will that I'm doing today? And are we receiving instructions from him on how we're to go about whatever it is that we're doing. 
So are we in that space where we're connecting and saying, okay, what is it? What is it that's for me? And this, in John 5, it talks about Jesus' authority and that it comes from his submission to the Father. You know, we talk a lot that we want spiritual authority, right? We want to be that person that can go into a situation, know what God is saying, and just, you know, call down the word of the Lord into that situation or, you know, bring the word of the Lord to somebody because it's so life-giving. And we want to be people of authority, but... Are we willing to pay the price to be people of authority? Because the price is being with the Father and that our will is subjected to the Father's will. Okay? I have a couple of scriptures from John 5. It says, My Father is at work this very day, and I too am working. Okay? Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. Let's stop for a minute. What if we put our own name in there? Laura can do nothing of herself. That's not usually the way I look at it. I like to think I can do something, right? I like to think, okay, I'm, I'm good at these things, and maybe I need God for these things. And maybe that's the reason why God pushes us past where we're comfortable, so that we know what it is to be dependent on the Father. Because as long as we're dependent on our own skills, on our own intelligence, on our own ability to be able to figure out the situation, as long as that's our dependency, we're fine. But as soon as we get out of that space, you're like, oh, no, I can't do that because that is beyond my skill. That is beyond what I know. I know I shouldn't even try that. You know, but maybe it's that God is saying that's where you need to be because at that point is where you're going to be dependent on me. So, um, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. That's an incredible scripture. The father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Now, we've had a lot of teaching in Cornerstone on identity, on sonship, right? The father loves his sons and his daughters and shows them what he is doing. So how how are you in this situation? Does God show you what he's doing? Sometimes, maybe, in rare moments, right? Um. I remember um, I had something happen just a couple months ago where in my heart I was praying for someone in my family, okay? And I was, in the morning I walk and pray. I was praying for that person, and the Lord said, I need you to tell this person this. And I'm like, uh, no. No, you know, I shouldn't do this. Okay? Even while I'm saying no, God knows and I know that if he tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. But I'm having this conversation with God, and I'm like, this is not a good idea. And and he's like, so you think my idea is not a good idea? Well, no, not exactly. But no, that's not what I mean. But, you know, (laughs) but I don't. How many of you tried to tell somebody in your family something? How How did it go for you? 
Okay, I'm just not going to go any further. So I just thought, no, this is not a good idea. I should definitely not do this. And I just felt from the Lord, you need to do this. And so called that person up. And, and uh, uh, the other thing I said to God, I said, they're not going to do it. And I know they're not going to do it. And he goes, it's not your responsibility. If they do it or not, your responsibility is to bring what I've told you to bring. So I called them up, gave them that. And, lo, and they gave me 100 reasons why they couldn't do it. And I'm like, uh-huh, God, see, they're not going to do it. <laughs> but they ended up doing it, you know, and it ended up being for blessing. And I would have lost the blessing if I had gone by my own good idea. So when God starts speaking to us and leading us to do something, what do we do with that? Back to John 5. The father loves the son, shows him all that he does, and he will show him either even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Okay? For the works that the Father have given me to finish, the very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. So this is the relationship Jesus has with his Father. The Father has sent me, and he testifies. He validates what I'm doing. It doesn't matter if someone else is validating what I'm doing because the Father validates what I'm doing. Because he had that connection with the Father. Because Jesus was fully human, I don't know if he could have gone to the cross if he didn't have that connection with the Father. Because at Gethsemane, that was was the ultimate Jesus doing the will of the Father. It was not his will. It was the will of the Father. Right? And he sweat great drops of blood. Like, I have, I get angry at very, you know, at, Almost any injustice. When I see injustice, I feel really angry. When I, when I, when I start looking at global issues of, like, trafficking, of, of the drug abuse, of all this, I get so angry. When I look at people growing up in broken homes and kids growing up and, you know, oh, my gosh. I mean, go down. I, I get very angry. I, Jesus carried it all. He carried it all. And he sees what we don't see, Right? Like, even, not, even if you remove all the physical pain, the spiritual weight of what he had to carry at the cross is unimaginable. For most of it, we won't be able to imagine that. I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you come to grips with that? I don't know. And so, and Jesus didn't want to do it. He knew that's why he came, but he was struggling within himself because he knew this is what it was going to look like. And that he was going to face separation from his beloved father. He knew that. But he went ahead and did it. But before he did that, he had the night in Gethsemane. Where it was surrender. Where it's like, it's not my will, but it's your will, God. So he had that relationship with the father. So if we look at what it means to follow someone, then we look at... Surrender. Giving it up. Okay? 
So I did a little chart here. Okay, and we're looking at Jesus as Savior or Jesus as Lord. And what does that exactly mean? Right? So this is our theology. This is what we believe, that we are saved by grace alone through faith. He will never leave us or forsake us. He loves us unconditionally. Because he has loved us so much, we have experienced great, great blessing in our lives. Great blessing. If you think back, where would you be if he didn't love us this much? Where would I be? I wouldn't be standing here for absolute sure. You know, but it's because God has demonstrated his love toward us through Jesus Christ. Okay? We're adopted into his family. We belong. We belong in the family of God. And some of us don't feel like we belong in our own families. But we have a belonging in the family of God. Okay? We can call God Abba Father in deep endearment. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. Okay, these are all things that we have because Jesus is our Savior. Jesus intercedes for us before the Father. We have an advocate. There's a lot of court, courtroom kind of, um, kind of language in the Bible where, you know, bring your case before me and let me judge. Let me hear your case. We have an advocate with the Father. We have someone who intercedes on our behalf with the Father. Okay? And how about Jesus as Lord? He is the commander-in-chief. That's a military term, right? I'm not a military person. I mean, um, Barry is our resident military kind of advisor on all these things, but what does it mean to have a commander-in-chief? It means you do what the commander-in-chief says, right? The commander-in-chief is in charge, okay? And we are referred to as soldiers under orders, okay? We are hardworking farmers that go for the harvest. We plant, we sow, we um, Continue, you know, we, we do whatever, it need, whatever that seed needs, and we work towards the harvest. We are highly disciplined athletes. Whoa. <laughs> Some of us may relate with that better than others. People under authority. I think about Paul, you know, when he, um, back to the highly disciplined athletes, when he ran his race, you know, he said, I run my, run my race to win. And he's talking about his race in the kingdom. He runs his race in the kingdom to win. You know, so any athlete runs to win. Well, I'm just running the way race, and if I win or not, well, at least I ran it. Maybe. But if they're really an athlete, they're like, no. No, I want that prize. I want that prize. Okay, we are people under authority. The centurion understood that as well as anyone in the Bible. Right? He said, Jesus, come heal my daughter. And, and Jesus and Jesus said, okay. And, and he said, no, you don't even need to come to my house. You just say the word and my daughter's healed. And Jesus is like, where did this faith come from? Where did this faith come from? How did you get this kind of faith? Okay? 
because he understood authority. He said, I have people under me. I tell them what to do and they do it. And he understood that Jesus had that spiritual authority that he tells the sickness what to do. And it does that. That's what spiritual authority looks like. And we are people under authority. And we have delegated authority that God gives us. Okay. We're called to pick up our cross daily. And what does that mean? To pick up our cross daily. It means that self goes on the cross. That what we want, that who we are, when those things come in direct conflict with God, that goes on the cross. So we pick up our cross daily, and it's a regular routine because self wants to be in charge, right? We want to do what we want to do. We live in an environment where everybody does what they want to do. And please don't tell me what I want to do is wrong because that's not your place. I have the right to do what I want to do. And you have to respect that I have that right. And especially as Americans, we are so strong in the I want to do what I want to do. Thank you very much. Okay. We are dead to self and alive to Christ. So we die daily. Do we die daily? Well, it's, has, there's a certain intentionality if we are going to die daily. That means that we set our face to do that. You know, it says that Jesus set his face like flint, like he sent his face toward Jerusalem. That's what he was, he was set to do what he was supposed to do. Doesn't mean you always want to do what you're supposed to do, but you set your face to do that. Okay? And we are engaged in fierce spiritual warfare. And if you don't believe it, just turn on the news for five minutes. At so many levels... We are engaged in fierce spiritual warfare in a nation that is so polarized, we can't even be civil anymore. And what does it look like to be a kingdom person in that spiritual warfare? That's, that's, the, that's the water that we swim in every day. And what does it look like to be a kingdom person? That's where we need to go back to the Father and say, God, what does it look like to be a kingdom person in our broken world? Okay, so... We have no rights of our own. We have been bought with a price. It's a very un-American thing to say. Because we have a bill of rights. We, we know what our rights are. We are very strong about our rights. But in the kingdom, that's what we lay down. And um, there's a lot of, that's a whole, I mean, you can take a whole week on this topic. But um, anyway, I'm just going to keep going. But we, we have been bought with a price. So Jesus as Savior, we have an emphasis on forgiveness, new life, healing and restoration, deliverance, experiencing the presence of God, Receiving blessings, power, comfort, all of that is what we have because Jesus is our Savior. He has rescued us from the world of darkness and has set us our feet on, you know, in the world of light. We have a hope. We have a future because he's our Savior. We can rest in him. Okay? We can enter into his rest. We're loved and accepted. 
How wonderful is it to be loved and accepted by our Savior? Okay? We get revelation. We start to see who Jesus is. We start to understand who he is. Okay? The emphasis, Jesus as Savior, is what God has done for me. God has done all these things. He gave his son so that I can have life. Okay? God can do this for me. We have promises that we hold on to. What we're believing that God is going to do for me. And that's all Jesus as Savior. And then we move into Jesus as Lord. We have an emphasis of death to self. On serving. Some of us have the gift of serving. They just, it just comes automatically. And some of us choose to serve. Because we know that's what we're supposed to do, right? <laughs> but anyway, either way, we serve. Obedience. Where we are under, uh, we recognize that we are under authority. And we start to walk out what it is that God's given us. Okay? Sacrifice. It's not always about what we want to do. I'm going to say that again. It's not always about what we want to do. There's sometimes that kingdom things doesn't look like something that we want to do. But it's something that God is saying. Surrender. I'm done with this battle, God. I'm done. I just give it over to you. Very hard thing sometimes to surrender different things. Especially when it's things that are close to our heart and people that may be close to our hearts. Where we just say, okay, we just surrender this over to you. Purpose. That's where we start to find, okay, this is our purpose. This is what I was created to do. This is my design, what I was designed to do. We start to find that in the place of lordship. Duty. This is my responsibility. I have a certain responsibility to the kingdom of God, to my brothers and sisters, first of all, to the Lord, to see things happen. Okay? I'm about the kingdom. Jesus was all about the kingdom. He was demonstrating what a different kingdom looks like. And how do we know what a different kingdom looks like? It's because we spend time with the Father. As we spend time with the Father, we start to get an imprint from the Father about what his kingdom looks like. And when we go into very broken situations, we can get depressed and say, this is so broken, I don't even think it can be fixed. Or we can say, okay, God, give me your kingdom lens right now because I can't see it. I can't see it. But what does it look like for have you, to have you move in this situation? It's about giving our lives away. Rather than trying to save our lives, we're willing to give it away. It's about what I give back to God. Because he loved me, I return back to God all of these things. This, these lists are not exhaustive. You can probably go on, you can go on for a very long time on both. I just picked out a few things. Okay? Okay? Jesus as Savior is about me and my well-being. And that is a good thing. Okay? I'm not, I'm not saying that that is a bad thing. We have to f- discover our identity, which we discover through 
being saved and being transformed into the likeness of Christ. And that's what Savior means. Okay? And Jesus as Lord, it's about him and his mission. What is God doing on the earth today? You know, we were just talking about this quote um, earlier um, in the week it's, it's from Henry Blackaby. He says, find out what God is doing and get over there and become part of it. Get connected to what God is doing. When we have Jesus as Lord, we begin to discover our God-given destiny. We begin to discover what we were created to do. We begin to take up our cross and say, yeah, I'm going to follow. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what happens. And I have to tell you, it's not always wonderful. A lot of times, I mean, taking, when Jesus took up his cross, it not, was not a wonderful moment. I mean, it was one of the most horrible moments in all humanity when Jesus had to crawl under the weight of that cross. So I'm not saying that Jesus as Lord, you're going to have beautiful, wonderful, love-filled, God-filled life. But I am saying that Jesus as Lord is when you start to find who you were created to be and what you were created to do. And we have to understand Jesus as Savior, I believe, before we can really embrace Jesus as Lord. Because if we don't understand that tremendous love, that commitment, that um, pouring out his life for us, if we don't understand that, We go into lordship with a legalistic kind of mindset of all the things I have to do for God. And I have to do this, and I have to do this, and I have to do this. And that's, I think, where we can get really bogged down. It's not about what we have to do for God. I was listening to Graham Cook this week. Okay, I don't know if any of you listened to him. So I was listening to Graham Cook. And... um, it was, um, it, was, uh, it was a soaking video, and it was about God's intentionality with us. And it was, about, it was about hope. And one thing Graham said, and it really struck, just, just kind of hit a note with me. And, it, and he said, set aside discipline. Let your heart come into a place of delight. The kingdom runs on delight. Discipline is an outcome of delight. Our goal is not necessarily to be disciplined in prayer, but to be delighted in Jesus. Delight will cause you to press in, resulting in discipline. We are passionately pursued by God, and we return that love. We are loved into loving back. Not called to behavior, but we're called to our identity, who we are in Christ. We're not, um, we're not condemned, but we're called to hear God's passion and his desire. And when we start to move into areas of lordship, that is where we meet God. That is where we start to walk in intimacy with God. That's where that closeness comes. And I'll tell you something, you cannot outgive God. 
Anything you think that you give up for God, you cannot outgive God because he's generous. He's a giver and he will always outgive you. So you don't have to worry about, I'm going to lose myself. Well, we are going to, we are supposed to lose ourselves, right? We lose ourselves, but we gain Christ. That's what lordship is. We're willing to lay down ourselves, but we gain Christ. And we gain that tight relationship with God. That I think people who, are, who have made Jesus Lord start to understand, okay, God, why are you doing what you're doing here? What's going on in this situation? We th- see things around us, and our first response is to go to the Father. How often is that our first response? A lot of times I'll go to someone else. I'll go to, you know, I, I can do anything before I go to the Father. But he's no, no, let's come to the Father and find out what the Father says about this situation. Because we have been so deeply loved by God, our response is to come back in lordship, that you are Lord. Okay, we're loving God in return with Jesus as Lord. With Jesus as Savior, we're receiving God's love. We're being loved by him. We're being restored. We're being rebuilt. We're being remade. Our thinking is renewed. God's healing us. So Jesus as Savior is awesome because God is building us into the kind of people that are going to take kingdoms that are going to be part of the kingdom of God, that are going to be part of a force that cannot be stopped on the earth because that's what God is building. So we join in with God and his purposes. All of a sudden, it matters to us if our neighbors are going to hell. All of a sudden, it matters to us if people don't know Jesus because we're kingdom people. We're thinking about kingdom things. So I just want to... um. As we look about, as we look into Jesus as Lord, um, we have to look about what does it mean for us to die and for Jesus to be raised up. Unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and die, cannot bear fruit. We don't like that kind of language, right? We like the kind of language where you are empowered to do this and you are empowered to do that, and that's right. That's not wrong language. But unless we are willing to lay down our rights, to lay down ourselves, unless we are willing to say, okay, I'm not in the driver's seat anymore. I'm in the passenger seat. You're driving. You can tell me where to go, when to do it, and how to do it. And because he has loved us so deeply, we can trust him with driving. If he didn't love us so deeply... It would be very hard to put somebody else in the driver's seat. But because we have been so deeply loved, because we have been rescued from sin, because we have been redeemed, because we have been healed, we have been restored, he's given us so much. And our response back to him is, what is your plan? What are you doing? What are you doing here? Because I want to be part of that. I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want to connect with you on a heart basis. I want to be that person that says, yeah, if you, if you tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. I may not understand it. I may not love it, but yeah, I'm going to do it. 
because I'm an obedient child. And I'm going to do what the father said. That's what Jesus did. He obeyed his father. And that's who we're following. So I just want to encourage us to give back to God, who has so lavishly blessed us, who has given us so very much. And to ask him, I think this is a good question for us, what can I give back to you? What would you like from me? What, where am I getting in the way of you in my life, Lord? What areas am I, you know, what I love getting in the way of what you want to do? And it doesn't mean that we can't do the things that we love because God's created us to do the things that we love. Unless that thing is really um, violating scripture, then, then we're going to have to, you know, put that thing down. And it may be that we do lay down something we love for a higher cause sometimes. And that's part of lordship. That's part of following. So I just, um, yeah, I really want to encourage you to discover the incredible walk of Jesus as the Lord. What that looks like in our lives. What that looks like in our workplace. What that looks like in our schools and in our environment that we live in every day. Where we come into a situation... And rather than trying to figure it out, let's say, God, what are you doing here? What are you saying? How do you want me to act in this situation? What do you want me to do? That we are submitted under, as people under authority. And that we act like people under authority. That we connect with God to find out what is going on and what he's saying. So that's pretty much what I have this morning to share. Um, I just want to encourage us because I just feel like God wants to move in Cornerstone. God wants to move in our midst. He's speaking to us about the gospel in us, through us, around us. Those are words that God is speaking to us right now. So when the gospel comes in, we're looking at transformation. We're looking at transformation of ourselves. We're looking at transformation of our environment. That's what we're looking at when the gospel starts to um, penetrate into, um, into our lives. So as the gospel penetrates into our hearts in Cornerstone, as we begin to allow Jesus to take that rightful place as being Lord, I feel a high sense of hope and anticipation of where God is going to take us. Because he has great plans for us. He has great, our little fellowship here, I believe that God has kingdom plans so that we will influence the community that we're in and the world that we're in because of the way we live our lives, because of the fact that we are not afraid to say, this is my Lord and my God. And I think about Thomas, you know, while I was preparing this and, um, Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas, but, you know, he's really a man of faith, I think, because um, he, he got a revelation. And I think sometimes we need a revelation of Jesus to get to that point where we can make him Lord. And, you know, Thomas is the one who said, no, unless I, unless I put my hands, you know, in the holes in his hands, unless I put my hands in his side, I'm not going to believe that this, there's no way, this cannot happen. What you're saying, can, it cannot be that Jesus rose from the dead. And then Thomas met Jesus, 
And his response is, my Lord and my God. He got the revelation. And everything changed for Thomas at that point. And you can see different disciples at different points where they got the revelation and he became Lord. Right? And there's different points in our lives, I think, where we can receive revelation of Jesus and all of a sudden realize you are going to be Lord. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. And sometimes God leads us to the place where we're just at the very end of ourselves. We don't have anything more to offer. And it's at that point where, wow, this is what you wanted all along because you are Lord. So I would invite you on a journey to discover Jesus as Lord and what that looks like in our lives individually and corporately as Cornerstone. Amen. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus into this earth to redeem a very broken people, to redeem um, a world that had gone completely astray. Thank you for that incredible love. And Jesus, thank you for the demonstration of what it looks like to have our Father be Lord of our lives. Thank you for your relationship with the Father. And I pray, God, that we would be people that would discover um, the incredible goodness of your Lordship in our lives. And, God, that we would be people of hope and anticipation of what you want to do in your kingdom because it's so much bigger than we are, God. Thank you that you call us to something that's so much bigger than we are. We just thank you so much. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.